When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. He does fantastic work for USA Today. MMA junkie and topology. He's very sharp. UFC and mixed martial arts arts mind. It is Nolan King. We've been trying to make it work for a long time, but it's a, a very good morning or good afternoon to you, Nolan. Yeah, how's it going, guys? That was a very nice intro. I'm glad uh, I'm glad we uh, we finally uh, got to do this. I know we've been trying to do it for a while. Well, you're in demand, and this is the thing. Once the UFC beast starts rolling for the year, you can go main event to main event to main event and be stuck in the vortex. So we're glad to get you at the start of the year and it kind of seems like the vortex has already taken off, though, Nolan. Oh, it's it's firing like it's never fired before. You know, uh, ever since the pandemic, it's been a, a really hectic, uh, nonstop sort of pacing with all these events and the UFC having cards essentially every weekend. But I don't think anything in my time covering the sport has been quite like the last few weeks, which is kind of funny because I was expecting things to be a little bit calm coming over the holidays, no fights for a month or so. And uh, boy, was I wrong. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously some of the big news is John Jones is back. Uh, just signed the second biggest contract in UFC history for an eight-fight deal. Uh, how good is he? Be- how good that the fact he's back? And secondly, do you think we're going to see him for all those eight fights? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, so I guess the way that it worked out was that they essentially, John was under a very long-term deal with the UFC um, according to his new manager, Richard Schaefer. So basically what they did was they went back and they reworked a, a deal that John was on that still had eight fights. So I'm guessing that he must have signed something like a 10-fight deal, which is obviously uh, fairly unheard of for UFC fighters. But ultimately they got it done. Um, it seemed like there was some sort of uh, clause that they put in pertaining to him fighting at heavyweight and what that would mean in terms of pay and pay-per-view points and, and stuff like that. Um, the UFC is kind of unofficially structured that way where the heavier the weight classes, it seems like a lot of times that's kind of uh, how the, the fighters are paid. That You go up the, the weights and that's they're paid more. The heavyweight, heavyweight title fights, what everybody looks at in combat sports, right? So they restructured it. Um, I'm not sure if we'll see him for eight fights. It took him three years to get back in there for this one. Um, but I think that MMA and, and the UFC fans and the UFC – uh, and obviously, John has have to be pretty happy that, uh, you know, knock on wood, there's a there's a date. Um, everything's inked and sounds like things are on course to, to actually happen for once. Nolan, I don't want to come in too hot here, but at the same time, I have to ask about credibility because, like, we can't ignore the fact that John Jones has had a very, very rough patch of his life and he's been in the public eye doing things that people wouldn't necessarily be proud of. And he's back in the UFC after they part ways with Francis Ngannou and the UFC has obviously had other controversies going around with the man that stands at the front Dana White over the last few while 
how are fans reacted to John Jones being back? And is there any question around credibility? You know, it's it's funny. I think that uh, there's always going to be questions because I think it's kind of you know fool me once that whole you know that whole saying. I just think we've seen John in these positions before. UFC 200. Um, you know, he was he was kind of coming back in 2021, I believe. I'm kind of losing track of my timeline, but uh, he obviously got a, a, you know arrested out in Las Vegas for something at the UFC Hall of Fame. So there's been all these these markers where you get excited for a John Jones fight and then it ultimately doesn't happen. So I think in that regard, he certainly has lost credibility, but at the same time, it does seem like, uh, you know, this has just been such a waiting game that um, I think people are pretty confident that, that John knowing John, John wants to fight. John wants to get in there in three years between two fights is too long. Um, it seems like the UFC and him have been on good terms for a few months now. Like even since probably November, October, it seems like they've all been, on agreement on his side of, of what the options are, what the pay was going to be. And it was just a matter of, of finding an opponent. So John's been talking about moving to heavyweight for a long time. He's been training now as a heavyweight, working out as a heavyweight, putting on weight for a couple of years. Um, so it'll be interesting to see in terms of his credibility in the cage, what he can bring physically, what kind of fighter we're going to get, because not only does he have time, time has passed, but he's put on all this weight. So you, you have multiple factors going on here. We don't really know what we're going to see, but it kind of adds to the intrigue of the whole situation. Absolutely. And obviously we've got UFC Brazil this weekend with uh, Jamal Hill going up against Teixeira for the lightweight belt, light heavyweight belt. Um, how do you think uh, that'll go down? Yeah, it's nice. Um, it's nice to going to be nice to put a cap on this kind of weird saga of the UFC light heavyweight um, belt lineage that's gone on over the past couple of months. Uh, champion Yuri Proyasha getting hurt vacating his title and then Magomed Ankalaev and Jan Blahovich fighting for the title in December that ultimately ends in a draw. So there's no champion. They put Glover Teixeira back in the uh, his rightful spot in a title fight, and now he's fighting Jamal Hill. I think it's a very interesting fight, kind of two guys that are at opposite points in their career, opposite styles, opposite uh, strengths, opposite weaknesses. So it's really going to go one of two ways, and, and you know it's either going to be the old man Glover Teixeira showing – the young kids, some fundamentals and some ground game, I'm assuming, or it's going to be Jamal Hill, the kind of explosive up and coming contender who's finally getting his big shot. And, you know, I'm assuming he wants to keep it on the feet. He wants to use what he's good at, his his length, his knockout power, his athleticism. Uh, so it's an interesting fight. And I think it's not clear exactly who's going to win, um, but it adds that it, it's it. There's more there's more elements at play here that make this fight really interesting. You know, it's it's in Brazil. It's the first time they've been there for three years. Um, so if this is Glover Teixeira's final fight, win or lose, that's kind of a, a cool element as well. But good top to bottom card by the UFC. I think it's a, a strong one to return to Brazil with. And I'm excited, like you said, the, the main event's going to be a good one. We've got so many Kiwi interests uh, coming up in the UFC. Obviously, um, Israel Adesanya, Kaikara France. So working back from different setbacks, um, and Carlos Olberg, a bit of an up-and-comer, but across the divisions, and it doesn't have to be a New Zealander involved or an Australian, is there a division that you think has a group of up-and-comers coming? Because we are starting to see lots of repeat fights and title fights for the you know, third or fourth time or that sort of thing. Is there a division about to explode with new talent, Noel? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it's funny for most of the Conor McGregor era and even maybe a little bit before lightweight was kind of the place to be lightweight and featherweight. But I think now looking at bantamweight, it's just so strong. It's so deep. There's a lot of these guys like 
you know, they've always had a strong division, but now you're starting to look at guys that aren't even ranked and you're like, man, these guys are, are really good. And there's a lot of people surging at that weight, weight class, which is nice to see. The regional scene's very strong. So I would say MMA as a whole right now, Bantamweight is probably the most open. It's the, the deepest. Um, it seems like a lot of fighters uh, kind of in those 135, 145, 155, 170, those are the most populous divisions, the most amount of bodies that you can even put in on a roster. So it's nice to see that Bantamweight, which is kind of had kind of been a, a weak link, and especially before the UFC onboarded that weight class, it was it was not that deep. It's nice to see that one growing. It's nice to see more fighters um, emerging from the, the regional promotions and the regional scenes to uh, to kind of craft into those contenders. And I think the top of the division is really fun. It's really strong. It's really open. And if you, that sort of theme continues, if you go down, you know, all the way down to the top through the top 50 in the UFC. Francis Ngannou, just uh, really keen to nail this one down. Is, is he he's done right? Well, he's done with this contract. In your mind, in another smart mixed martial arts reporters and uh, journalists' minds, is he still the champ even though he is now leaving his belt behind? I know the UFC is only one business, but do people still consider Francis Ngannou as the champ or is this spin around him walking away? Is that real? Do people buy it? No, I think I think most people consider him the champion. You know, I, I think that... Barring John Jones coming and, and just looking like an absolute monster, 265 pounds and running through Surreal Gone in, in March, like it's going to take a while before Francis is not considered the best heavyweight to walk the planet in MMA. Um, you know, it's going to take some serious time, some serious mental gymnastics. And hey, I mean, John Jones is a great fighter. I don't discredit people. If he goes out there, he looks great in this fight. And they say, you know what, John, I think John would beat Francis. Like, Okay, then you start to have the legitimate conversations, but I think for the time being, as of right now, um, you can't you can't just call somebody the you know you can't just degrade somebody's status because they are no longer associated with the UFC. I mean, it's a rare thing that a, a guy would walk away from the UFC on top, but I think that that fans and media and reporters and fighters are smart enough to know just how good he was and what he proved and why he walked away. This isn't a guy that felt like he was not getting better or not up to par, or had some sort of um, you know, he did have an injury, but it's, it wasn't something like career altering sort of uh, sort of blow to his his being. So for me, I think everybody kind of considers Francis still the best in the world. Um, at least they should. And I think it will take a while and a lot of uh, a lot of someone someone else proving themselves inside the cage to change that. Brilliant. No, that's great analysis, Nolan. We'll let you crack on. It's um, a really interesting period to watch the, the stuff around Dana White and how he ages as far as the business and, and where the business you know heads from here in 2023. I think it's going to be so, so interesting. And that's outside of the octagon and everything you've just explained inside is going to be brilliant, mate. So we'll follow your work closely. Enjoy the year. It'll probably get wild, but you'll be expecting it. Yeah, thanks so much, guys. We'll have to come on and uh, chat about whatever else wild happens in a few weeks or something. There you go. Nolan King, he's a champion. You can find his work uh, on Sports Illustrated, MMA Junkie. A lot of good work. And Beav, Dana White, I don't know if you followed the story over the New Year period. He is an interesting, interesting case because he is a guy who has a lot of power and not a lot of accountability for those that missed it, he is caught on film. His wife slaps him at a New Year's Eve party. He hits her back and then kind of hits her again. He's had to fall on his sword and say he will never, ever come back from this. But as the head of the UFC, the parent company that owns the UFC and essentially control, uh, controls Dana White as the CEO, 
They haven't stood him down. They haven't banned him. There's been no punishment. And lots of fans and lots of fighters that have seen punishment dished out for less or other comparable stuff are in a really tricky place. It's a very messy situation. Yeah, yeah. I did. I did keep a keep a track of that story out of the break. It's in today's world, it just seems outlandish. But again, it's a, a case of some of these organisations are law to themselves. I mean, we've we've seen we've talked. I mean, I don't can't remember what we were talking about, but we we're talking about FIFA um, and and their stance on a few things, you know, and. And the Formula One boys, how they were getting uh, muzzled on anything other than talking about racing. They're not allowed to talk about, have any political opinions, they're not allowed to do anything like that now. Um, so some of these, I didn't quite think UFC was, I guess they are probably getting close to that sort of level as far as an organisation, aren't they, a global phenomenon, as far as you know their standing. I guess, yeah, they certainly just write their own rule book. Their profile is huge. And yeah. it is becoming more mainstream. And I think with fight sports and especially boxing in your vintage, like we've yes. gr- we've come to expect <laughs> some pretty crooked behaviour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but as UFC has kind of crossed that bridge into mainstream, and it is huge. You walk around any pub, you know, around Auckland on a Sunday when there's a card on, most pubs will have it on. And there's people that turn up. The, the foot traffic tells you that it's a popular sport. But this sort of behaviour... Of Dana White and the the credibility issue it causes and the criticism and the outside noise it creates, I wonder if the UFC needs Dana White now. Like clearly he was an extremely important cog in the wheel, but I think the beast is bigger than him now. Yeah, and you talk about going mainstream and the credibility when you when as you alluded to in in my lifetime when you look back at I guess boxing in certain parts of its tenure or its life it was seen as a bit of a dodgy grubby corrupt corrupt i mentioned don king and and all the you know stuff around him and there was you know like were fights genuine and all the rest of it well you've never had that with ufc i guess it's always been it is what it is and yeah if you want to keep that image then you can't be having your your head or the, the head of your company behaving like that I think the f- the way that he he sees himself is that this couldn't continue without him, and that he is the he's the matchmaker, he's the promoter, he's the character, he's the image of the UFC. But when I think of the UFC, I think of Israel Adesanya. Yes, and but but also with with that in mind, you don't want to go down the WWE route of you know like have some sort of character like Vince, Vince McMahon. McMahon. Yeah, well, but that, but that's what you start to open yourself up for if you've got your so-called becomes more of a sideshow more than as genuine leader of this uh, organization. Hundred percent beef, and I think they're they're treading that line at the moment, mate.